Really glad you're here today. We are going to begin, or we're beginning, a message series called TikTok, and we're going to be looking at using our lives to make a difference in our generation, to serve God's purpose in our lifetime. And again, I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day. There's nothing really more important than the the influence that a mom can have, uh, the life of a godly mom uh, who serve God's purpose in their families, and that ends up going beyond the families as you raise children in the Lord who uh, really bless people. I, I deeply appreciate my mom and her influence on my life. I just discovered the song Supermarket Flowers. And uh, Ed Sheeran sings it. And there's a line in there. It, it's a really cool song. Listen to it if you want to. You don't have to download it or anything and pay for it. But you can probably find it online. But there's a line in there that says, You were an angel in the shape of my mom. And theologically, that's really not right. Okay. She, she was a person who will not morph into an angel. But... What a blessing my mom was. And there are many women here, moms, who have made a a real difference in the lives of their kids. And I know you may or may not feel like that, but you're you're giving it all you can, and you play a role in the family well. And so, uh, again, happy Mother's Day. Like I said, we're launching a series today, TikTok, and we're going to look at how to live our life in a way that Leaves a legacy for good. This is, this is what good people want to do. We want to live a significant life. Uh, to do this, we have to keep in mind that life is relatively short. It, it, it goes quickly. And so we need to make the most of each day. Throughout history, people have used different timepieces to track time as it passes by. Here's a sundial. Uh, where the shadow falls on the time of day. The hourglass is another older timepiece. Like the sands of the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. I used to hear that phrase when I was home from school. That, that, that I always picture being sick, laying on the couch, like the sands of the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. Um, currently, people wear time trackers on, on their wrist, and there have been advances in what they're able to do. Here's a calculator watch. Is this awesome or what? I mean, you, you, you could actually do your checkbook, which people don't do anymore, by the way. You could balance your checkbook on your wrist. That was awesome at the time. Um, here's a beauty. Uh, pre-cell phone, people used to carry pagers. They had a pager watch. And I had one of these babies right here. And it would page you and tell you the number of somebody who's trying to reach you. And, and that's what it would do. So there have been, you know, advances. Uh, in I, our day, people are using more advanced watches. Like I have one that tracks my steps. It doesn't really help me keep in shape, but it tells me how little I've walked <laughs> or, or, or how little I've done that day. Um, Fitbit, and then here's here's an example of the most advanced kind of watch. Uh, basically, you're carrying around a computer on your wrist that would have taken up an entire room. It's an amazing thing for us folks who've 
lived through the non-digital era, or began in it. Um, Anyway, these are ways to measure our time, but the most important measure of our time is not minutes and hours and days. It's more important to know how to invest our time than it is to watch it as it's flowing by. Much more important than keeping track of it. And this is where we need help. There are no apps or devices that tell you moment by moment how to invest your time. We need God for that. We need his help on this. We need to know how to make the best use of time that we've been given. And that's what this series is about. So we think about our time on earth, we must decide, first of all, what our life's going to be about. What are we going to live for? We're going to look at the importance of setting your heart on doing God's will in this series. And the heart of what we're going to talk about revolves around this statement. We make the most of our time by serving God's purposes on earth. This, This is how we make the most of our time while we're here. And here's a passage I go back to often, and we look at it every so often, because it's packed with so much perspective. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The word for careful here is a Greek word uh, that was originally written in akrobos. And, you know, there are no careless acrobats living. You know, that's the word that acrobat comes from. Their, their life depends on being exact. And what the Lord's doing here is he's commanding us to be careful in living life this way. To be exact. To think through the steps we're taking, the direction we're going, what we're doing with our time. Because it's short. And if we don't keep this in mind, we're not wise. Understanding what the Lord's will is, is the key to living a life that's wise and leaves the legacy we all desire to leave. We're told to make the most of the opportunity, which means to buy it up. The word has been translated redeem, but to redeem something means you buy it. You buy it back. You buy it up. And what God does is he measures our time on earth, not by minutes and hours and days, but he measures our time by opportunity. So he's looking at opportunity and opportunity as it flows by, and he's measuring our life by the way we use the opportunities that are presented to us. It's the opportunities that count, not the minutes. The passage explains that the key to making the most of the time is to understand what the Lord's will is, to to get a grasp of what God wants, because this is the way that you make the most of the time, you leave the legacy that good folks desire to leave. Doing God's will right now is the best use of my time in the moment, and this this could mean all kinds of things. If you're the mother of a small child... Changing a diaper is the most opportune thing that you can do right now. Uh, You're blessing the kid. You're showing love to the child who can grow up to bless the world around them. I, I may need to set my schedule aside and focus on a conversation right in front of me that needs to be had. That that's that's God's will in that moment. I may need to pivot and let a project go for another time. And invest my time in something else. 
This is, this is how we, moment by moment, as opportunities flow by, we understand what God's will is, and that may take some praying and thinking and understanding what Scripture says. But we dig in, and the way to make the most of your life is to do what God wants you to do right now, in this moment, and be mindful of it. The message paraphrase puts the passage we're looking at this way. Ephesians 5, 15-17. So what's your step? Use your head. Make the most, most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the Master wants. Understanding what the Master wants, the one who made us, is how we begin to live God's purposes in life. This, this is the key. We get sidetracked by many things, and so we don't want to be careless. Not to understand what God wants from this day that we're living right now. There's a sermon in the book of Acts that summarizes King David's life this way. He was one of the, he was the most revered king in the history of the nation of Israel. And it says, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. Now, what a great inscription for a tombstone. I would love to have that on mine. I'm not anxious for my tombstone to be erected, but I'm, I, I would love for this to be said about me. He served God's purpose in his own generation. You do that one day at a time, opportunity by opportunity, as you know God's will and do it in that moment. Serving God's purpose won't happen accidentally. It, it, just, it just doesn't happen by mistake. So, in this series, we're going to look at the stories of four people in the Bible who served God's purpose in their generation, and they were not perfect people by far. I mean, the, the, this room is full of uh, imperfect people, and I'm certainly one of those. But the good thing about God is He's extremely gracious. He's gracious to work in and through imperfect people who have all kinds of flaws. And so we're going to look at the lives of these folks and understand how gracious God is to work through us in spite of our flaws. We're not going to look at time management principles that they used. But our goal is to see how they responded to God. God gave them assignments. They understood his will. He was very clear about that. And then they stepped out in obedience, in faith and obedience. And God worked through their lives to fulfill his purpose through, through, him, through them. Uh, we, we only have so many years to live. Psalm 9010 is sort of a backdrop of our our um, message series. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. And in the TikTok series, we're going to identify life wasters that will threaten to derail us as they threaten to derail these key figures from Scripture. They, they try to derail us from God's purpose. And we'll undercover or uncover uh, what Scripture says and shows is the best way to overcome those. So today we're going to look at how fear keeps us from serving God's purpose. 
Fear is a life waster that eats away at our lives from the inside out. It, it, it can lead us to waste our lives. We see this in the life of Sarah, who was the wife of Abraham. Uh, they were a couple whom God chose to uh, give birth to the nation of Israel. And through that nation, through Abraham's line, would come Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And so God's intent, he, he chose them to be the couple through whom they would have a child, and through that child, the world would be blessed. This was on the heart of God as, as he chose them. Abraham and Sarah's story starts with a promise. It's found in Genesis 12. Uh, at the end of chapter 11, uh, we're introduced to Abraham. And Abraham was born 292 years after the flood, which is the flood. He's, he's basically a great, 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 great. I don't know how many greats. He's a great grandson of Noah, whom God used to go into the ark and, and save people uh, that he would bless the world through. And one of the first details you discover about Abraham in Genesis 11 is that he's married and his wife's name is Sarah. And God gives this promise in Genesis 12, the very first verse. He tells Abraham to, to, to leave his homeland and go to the land of Canaan, which he would promise to give to Abraham and his descendants. And so uh, in, in that command to leave and to, to go and to follow God, this was his assignment from God, is to just go and start traveling through the desert. And at that moment, he gives this promise to Abraham and Sarah. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a really, that's a great promise right there. That's, that's amazing. The interesting thing is, Sarah was Abraham's only wife, and she had no children at the time. As they were traveling around as nomads, her biological click, clock was ticking. <laughs> tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> In fact, it had, spring, it had sprung its spring. Her biological clock. She was 65 when she received this promise. Abraham was 75. She was 65. And so throughout their travels in the desert, you can see as you read the chapters about their travels throughout the desert, you, you can see that they're, they're trying to figure out how is this going to happen? You know, how are we going to have a baby? And God keeps reminding them of his promise. In Genesis 13, this is one of the places you see this reminder. Uh, they're camped in a place called Hebron in the desert. And God says, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Wow, they still have no children. This is, this is several years after the promise. The Lord gives Abraham the promise again in Genesis 15, and I'm, I'm sure he and Sarah are continuing to try to figure out how this is going to happen. How are we going to have a kid at our age? And they're 
they're getting well past the normal age for having kids. And so they're beginning to devise their own solutions. And isn't this what we do while we're waiting on God to fulfill his promise? We start coming up with human ideas. From a human vantage point, we try to begin, we figure out, how is this going to happen? I know this is what God says, but I'm going to give him a little help this way. And so Abraham gets into a conversation with God about how this is going to happen. And Abraham's telling God that it must be his servant who would be the heir. And that servant would be the one that God used to bless the world through. And, you know, this was common in that day. If you didn't have a, a child, all of all of your your goods, your Abraham was a wealthy guy. I mean, he was traveling through the desert with all kinds of animals and you know people helping him, and he he was he he was a wealthy guy. So he's thinking, okay, we don't have any kids. We're like close to eighty, and God must mean that my servant here is going to be the heir, and that's who he's going to bless the Lord through. And here's God's answer. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. That's an amazing, again, dust, stars. (laughs) You're going to have as many kids. Your, Your lineage, your descendants are going to be as numerous as these. Still nothing. Still, no evidence. There is no baby bump showing up on Sarah at this point. This is all happening in the middle of Abraham and Sarah's story before they knew how it was going to turn out. I I call this the waiting room. It's somewhat being in, in the waiting room at a hospital while somebody you love is in surgery. It's agonizing. At times, I, I've been I've been there. My my wife uh, had back surgery. What uh, this was a while back, um, and it always seems to take longer than the doctor tells you. My my son also had back surgery at seven, seventeen, and you know the doctor comes in that morning. Hey, this is just routine. I've done this. I've done thousands of these. I said, yeah, but you haven't. I didn't say this, but my mind. <laughs> Yeah, but you've never done this on my son. And so he says it should take two and a half hours, whatever it was. And the waiting room was a fascinating place because we had all kinds of people there with us. (laughs) And everybody's responding in different ways. Uh, One of my really close friends is engaging the receptionist, and it's almost like a comedy show. And uh, everybody over here is talking about these things, and 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 as as the time frame comes for it to the surgery to be over, I'm just on the inside. I'm agonizing, and this is what it's like to be in the waiting room with God. You you may be there right now. You're waiting to see how it's going to turn out. You're, you're not quite sure. This is what we do. Abraham and Sarah were doing this. And they were trying to understand God's will. They were even trying to give him a little help. They were trying to understand his promise. 
and respond in faith. But, but look at this. Abraham responds to God's promise. And his response is recorded in Genesis 15:6. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. This tells you why God chose Abraham and Sarah to work with to bless the world. You, you also see in Hebrews 11:11, 11, 11, in the waiting room, Abraham trusted God and so did Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, she, since, she was con, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now, we have an advantage. We can look back at the story. They're still, you know, they were in the middle of it. In the middle of their story, they put their faith in God. They trusted him to come through with what he said he would do. This is the kind of person God can work through to bless the world around them. Someone who's going to trust God with what he said he would do. Their faith explains why God chose them to be the people through whom he would make a great nation, many nations to be exact, and then bless the world through them. As he scanned the population of the earth to choose people to work with, he found a married couple with faith who would trust him completely. God can work with that. He can't work with unfaith, but he can work with people who put their faith in him. For Abraham and Sarah, faith was the key to serving God's purpose in their generation. And it's the same for us. Faith is the way we win over fear. That's, that's how we win. You may find yourself in the waiting room right now. You might be waiting for a husband or a wife. You might be in the middle of an illness and you're not quite sure if it's going to heal. You don't know what God's going to do with that, what, what kind of answer he's going to give. Maybe you're working on a, wor- a complex project at work. It's critical to the su- company's success. You're under the gun. And you aren't sure how it's going to play out. You're in the waiting room on that. Maybe you're having difficulty in, in marriage or another relationship. That's important to you, and, and you're wondering if you're ever going to get past this season right here. You're not quite sure how it's going to play out. When you have kids, it's one long waiting room. You're just, you know, there's situation after situation that turns up, and you're waiting to see if they're going to be okay. And your heart is tied to them, and you're waiting on God. You're asking God for help. You're, you're just in general with our kids. How are they going to turn out? Are they going to come home in one piece? How, what, what's going to and so on. In all these scenarios, fear can paralyze us and keep us from doing God's will. Or it it can drive us to come up with what we think is the obvious solution to the problem. We can begin to do what Abraham and Sarah did, devise their own plan to give God a little help. And so at one point in the story, uh, Sarah panicked. And this is how you see the grace of God at work in her life. She wasn't perfect by far. But after many years of waiting, she devised a plan so that Abraham would have a child through his servant, through their servant, Hagar. And this plan was driven by fear, not faith. 
Uh, and it turned into a disaster that the world is still dealing with today. The sons of Hagar are the Arab peoples, and the sons of Isaac, who was born to Abraham and Sarah, are the Jewish people, and they're warring to this day. Make a note of this, though. If, if you trust God, he will help you serve his purpose, despite your fear and your flaws. If you trust him, he will work with you, he, despite your fear and imperfections. God, God wants to work through you to bless the world around you. He, he wants to help. He wants to give you all that you need to serve his purpose in your generation. But you must choose faith, just like Sarah and her husband Abraham. The best thing we can do while we're waiting is to be faithful in faith, to do what we know to do and trust God as we do it. Hebrews 11.11, let's look back at that. Notice the phrase, Sarah is talking about Sarah. She considered him faithful who had promised. The word translated considered in this passage, it literally means to lead, to command. So you find out something important in that. Our mind in the waiting room can go all over the place. We're running scenarios. How's this going to turn out? What's going to happen? Oh, this could, oh no, this could happen. We're, our mind is going all over the place. But what Sarah did is she led her mind to focus on the right thing. She led her mind to focus on the faithfulness of God. Our mind in the waiting room either goes backward in regret or forward into the scenarios of what could happen, the fears that well up in us. And uh, Sarah led her mind away from the fear, and she put her trust in God. You, you don't... You, you, you don't need to wallow in the fear. You, you can choose where your mind lands in the direction it goes. Are you in the waiting room right now? It might be connected to family circumstances, finances, your work, something having to do with ministry. Lead your mind to focus on the faithfulness of God. Choose it. Choose your mind the direction your mind's going to go. And trust God. Keep His promises in focus. And give yourself to do and say what you know to do right now. What you can do. God's provided us weapons to fight with. He, he's given us weapons to fight fear with. And what you find in Ephesians 6, we're not going to look at that passage, but there are two weapons in particular that help us as we battle things like fear. They're the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. The shield of faith practically means that I say God will not rip me off. That's the shield of faith. I put up the shield. So when you get into fear, you put up the shield. God is not going to rip me off in this. He is going to do right by me. He is going to provide what I need. I can do what he wants because of who he is. 
You put up the shield, God's not going to rip me off, and you swing the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So what I like to do is, as I'm struggling with different things, um, I, I put up the shield of faith, I put my focus on God, what He can do, and then I memorize a, a passage that will help me swing the sword. So Jeremiah shows us how to do this in Lamentations 3, 21 through 25. Um, he says in, in that passage, and it's not on the screen, but it says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So what he's showing us is, I, I can lead my mind to focus on this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Great is thy faithfulness, God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. So he lead, Jeremiah shows us there in that passage how to, how to deal with, with fear. Lead your mind to consider the faithfulness of God. Focus on him. Put your trust in him. Swing the sword of the Spirit. You're going to find opportunity in the waiting room. It's connected to the will of God in the moment. You leave a legacy by choosing over and over again to make the most of the opportunities God gives you to trust Him and to walk with Him. I'd like to wrap up this morning. Uh, and as I do, I, I want to encourage you to think through a way that you could respond personally to the Scriptures we've looked at and ask you, if you would, to take a next step. If God's laid something on your heart, if He's spoken to you this morning then there is a next step he wants you to take. He wants you to step out, like Abraham and Sarah, to trust him and, and to do what he wants you to do. So here, here is one suggested next step. There may be others that have been on your heart and mind. Uh, but my next step today is to trust God as I wait for. If you're in the waiting room, just write that out. I'm going to trust God as I wait for this. I don't know how it's going to turn out right now. I'm in the middle of this story. But God, I trust you with this. Would you help me figure out your will? Would you help me to know your will so that I can do it and take the step that would please you? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness, your grace, and how faithful you are in each situation to give everything we need. If we'll turn to you and trust you, not devise our own plan, not come up with our own way, but go your way. God, you keep your promises. You never back down on a promise. We trust you, God. We praise you. We honor you. Now, I ask for help in taking the steps. I ask for help in trusting you in faith to do what, what you promised to do, God. Help us in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.